0: Welcome to the PRISM Daily Podcast. Our hope is by listening each day, you'll be encouraged to meditate on the promises of God and find peace in His presence. This fall, our pastor is reading through sections of his forthcoming book, The Narrow Trail, A Wanderer's Guide to Finding Jesus. This book was written in concert with this fall's PRISM teaching series about our church's values. You can listen to our Sunday messages on PRISM's webpage. Here's Pastor Chuck. The Church has a credibility problem. No doubt there have been failures at the highest and lowest levels of the Christian Church. My point in defining this as a credibility problem is that the Church's failures, many of which have never been admitted to or apologized for, at least not until the press got wind of them, have hamstrung the proclamation of the gospel. Whether accurate or not, The perceived, less-than-stellar reputation of the Church is hindering its appeal to those not already part of it, and many who have abandoned it. It's clearly more than just a public relations problem, as in some parts of the Church there has been and still is a vast chasm between what it could be and what it is. In the age of global, split-second communication, the glaring sins of the Church are magnified as never before— and it's having a negative effect. My academic concern is that perhaps there is a communication problem that is widening the gap between the formerly churched and the Christian community. My pastoral concern is that because of this, many Christians who have left the church are curtailing their spiritual growth. Some have abandoned identifying as Christians altogether. Others now claim that they don't need to be an active part of a local church to be a healthy Christian. I disagree, and have written this book in part to encourage believers to re-engage with a vibrant Christian church. As well, I'm hoping that Christians who sporadically attend a church will realize the spiritual benefit of a closer connection to other Christians. To paraphrase my friend, pastor and author Dean and Sarah, there is more to being a Christian than simply going to church once a week, but there certainly isn't less. Communal worship is a critical part of our collective church life and is vital for a believer's spiritual growth. One can exert all sorts of energy working for the betterment of humanity, but Scripture makes clear that you need others to minister to you and others need you to be there for them. Logically, corporate worship can't happen without each other. And in spite of what you may think, there do exist Christ-honoring people serving churches that are concerned about correcting the problems that exist in our world while presently some christian churches and leaders are failing in very public ways other congregations throughout the world are behind the scenes doing some amazing god glorifying things for the benefit of humanity this has been the case all throughout the 2000 year history of Christianity. Yet the reality remains that evil carried out in the name of those who call themselves Christians is driving many away from any church. Therefore, it is incumbent on church leaders to search their hearts to see if there is any sinful way in them that creates a roadblock to Christians being where they need to be. In my estimation, the church may be apologizing for quite some time. Jesus said that we're to love each other so that the world would know we're his followers. One reason for the challenge facing churches is that a new generation is discovering the support role that churches played in prolonging the scourge of American slavery and its after-effects of racial discrimination and injustice. It was largely theologically conservative Southern Protestant churches that justified oppression in their preaching and or promoted a church culture that stayed silent while their black brothers and sisters suffered under chattel slavery complete with the sexual, emotional, and physical abuses. One of the heroes of my church's theological tradition is Jonathan Edwards, whose influence on the Great Awakening and education has earned him the historic title of America's greatest theologian. However, as Jamar Tisby has written, quote, Although Edwards remains a significant figure in American religious history, his significance must also include the fact that he compromised Christian principles By enslaving human beings. The challenge for us is that people are assessing our ability to care for them by watching if we care about the oppressed. Many of us as individuals have sins to confess and turn from regarding racism and injustice. Many religious groups need to do the same. It strikes me as incongruous that some theologically orthodox Christians would oppose the idea of corporate responsibility or guilt for sins committed by another. The Apostle Paul addresses the subject of corporate guilt for original sin as the reason we needed Jesus. In Romans 5.12, the New Testament states that we have been judged guilty for the actions of our first parents. Quote, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Wayne Grudem says, quote, this idea that all men sinned means that God thought of us all as having sinned when Adam disobeyed is further indicated by the next two verses. Here, Paul points out that from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, people did not have God's written laws. Though their sins were, quote, not counted as infractions of the law, they still died. The fact that they died is very good proof that God counted people guilty on the basis of Adam's sin. The essence of the Christian gospel is that Jesus took the weight of sins that weren't his own. He did this in order to bring about reconciliation between people and God. Jesus didn't have to carry out that responsibility. He willingly chose to do so out of love for his children and loving obedience to his father. Is it possible that out of love for our neighbors, the Spirit of Christ would compel us to apologize if it would promote healing and help people see the gospel more clearly, taking on the sins of another to bring about reconciliation? Would it ever strike us as necessary for the benefit of the reputation of the church to be willing to do so? I've heard arguments against this position point out that while Jesus absorbed the guilt of our sin, he didn't confess to them as if he did them. Whatever the argument, the optics are not helping the reputation of the church with outsiders. Are we really arguing about whether or not we have to apologize? Shouldn't fallen sinners have their default mode set to apology? I think so. To their credit, some theologically conservative denominations have in recent years made further efforts to distance themselves from their troubling history with racism and white supremacy. That's a terrific thing, because a new generation of socially conscious Christians are intolerant of any perceived injustice in the church or passive tolerance of its existence and culture our credibility is at stake because the reputation of the church can keep people from believing that we actually care about people why would they think they could receive care from leaders who they see as not caring this is one important reason why the apostle paul wanted elders to have a good reputation with outsiders one reason for such strict standards for church leaders is that the credibility of the church can be negatively impacted by their actions or inactions. You've been listening to the PRISM Daily Podcast. If you'd like more information about PRISM Church, visit our website, prismchurch.com.